0: new concepts and ideas to help you reach
1: your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full
2: potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast.
0: Awesome. I mean, it's just been so good and you have to you know, you kind of have to hear it or read it to see what I'm talking about. The other two, my Mark Divine, The Way of the Seal and Unbeatable Mind. I've been through, this is my third time to go through Unbeatable Mind, second time to go through The Way of the Seal. But just the leadership, mindset focus, strategy on achievement. And really, you know, really, I would, bo- there's a lot more to it, but I would boil it down to thinking like a Navy SEAL. How do you get focused on, number one, your purpose and why you do what you do. So your big why but then also your front sight focus, as he calls it, which is the SEALs are trained to do one thing at a time, but they're trained to do it so fast and efficiently. It looks like they're carrying out so many different things on every mission or their training drills, but at any one given moment, they've got their front sight focus on one thing at a time. And, you know, it goes back to everything that we say all the time. It's just how do we get noise out of our face and how do we get to a point where we're focused on the most optimum thing that's going to really move the needle. When it comes to a lot of these leadership things we're talking about, what I really want to dive in today is just his acronym of DIRECT. And he talks about this in the way of the SEAL. For those of you guys out there who have read it, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's your mental control. He talks so much about mental control, especially in unbeatable mind. How do we just calm everything down? So it's really cool and just says, look, this is the way the Navy SEALs do it. Which, by the way, I forgot to mention, I just read the book Stealing Fire by Jamie Wheel and Stephen Kotler. Which is, it's amazing, but a lot of it is just around mindfulness and how we get into these flow states, which more and more people are coming out and saying, you know, it's not just a feeling, it's actually changing the way your brain waves are. You know, people that are in mindfulness and meditation practices and things like that, where they calm their mind several times a day, have more of a theta alpha brainwave than more of you know some of the delta and other things that are out there so we don't have time to go into that but at the end of the day
2: sounds like sorority talk
0: yeah it, it, <laughs> it actually does but it's it's just science science so it has to be real but your mind is really working on these neural pathways and setting these new neuronal connections to where if we don't tap into that and we say oh this you know that's all just hocus pocus it's a feeling whatever we're really not going to be great leaders and there's yeah. a reason that more and more people are coming out talking about this right now but he's got an acronym about uh, that says direct, spell just as it sounds. Direct and the D. I'll run through these real fast. I'll put them in the show notes. But the D is to detect. Okay, so and a lot of this is thinking again like Navy SEALs, but then okay. applying that to the business world. But you have to figure out and get really good at detecting everything that's in front of you, every thought that's distracting you, or every thought that you're using to focus. Any of that, even the good part of it, is going to deplete your energy, and you got to deal with it. And your negative thoughts are going to deplete your energy much faster. Yeah. But the problem is we're not peeling back, we're not pushing back from the desk or you know, wherever you are each day and really taking time outs to sit there and say, okay, what have I been thinking about today? What have I been thinking about for the last hour? How much energy am I spending on that? Is this helping me or not? And just, you know, really just doing a reset. So talks awareness. a lot about yeah, awareness. It talks a lot about breathing work in there. He created box breathing that we've talked about before, those sort of things. So the D is to detect, detect the negative thoughts that are coming into your mind and be able to remove those from the focusing thoughts that you know you need to move forward with. Right. The second thing is the I, which is interdict, which is not a word that we use a lot in today's time. But basically he talks about this idea of, of a sentinel that's standing watch at the gate, you know, back in, you know, Greek and Roman times, a sentinel would stand watch at the gate and basically keep anything out that was harmful or unhealthy that shouldn't, you know, shouldn't be in there. Yeah. And basically he says, if you're sentinel, detects a negative or useless thought, you've got to interdict it, you've got to intercept it, you've got to stop it with a simple command such as stop or no. And it feels weird at first. And he goes into this dialogue of just how to sit, how to talk to yourself basically Mm. in a positive and healthy way. But using words like stop and no, or phrases like I will not allow this to sabotage the day, you know, that I'm trying to have... Any of those things that we really stop and just interdict or intercept those negative thoughts is going to help us to wire that in. again. a gatekeeper, basically. Yeah, gatekeeper, resetting those neuronal connections to where you focus on it more. I want to go ahead and just dive into that. You know, you talked about skills developed and... I know you're big on mastery, Mm -hmm. but you're also huge on situational awareness, and I can get how that's trained up in combat or, you know, combat training, but you do an incredible job teaching people how to do this in the civilian world, where I think it would, you know, frankly, just be much harder to teach people how to do this. And I'd love to hear about your color-coded system that I've read about where, you know, it's all around situational awareness, but how does that work for people who actually get on board with that, they master it, and how's that really helped you in your own civilian life to teach that to others?
1: Well, you're right. It's it's you know in the military where the stakes are life and death. You know, and then realize that going into combat, it's you know awareness becomes everything. I Maybe mean, because you got to be aware of where the enemy is, we got to be aware of where the bullets are coming in, you've got to be aware of where your actions are having their effect, and and you got to be aware of the state of your teammates and if anyone's injured or you know is having a psychological you know kind of negative. <laughs> You know, reaction to the combat stress, which is very obviously common, as you can imagine. You know, most people are, would be curling up in the corner in utter abject fear. But Navy <laughs> SEALs, you know, we, we're trained to go into the firefight with confidence and in control. And But, you know, as a leader, you got to be aware of all that, plus aware of what's going on in your own body-mind system so that you maintain control and, and you can lead. And so situational awareness is a skill and a practice in and of itself. So the skill is essentially to be able to determine the threat as well as the opportunities. And at the threat level, we have a way to kind of determine the level of the threat. And that's the color system that you alluded to. So, you know, essentially white is, most people are in white. And this is like, there's no threat. And I'm also not aware that there could even be a threat. And So white is a very dangerous place to be. And we try to teach civilians to, at a minimum, get out of white and get into yellow. Now, yellow is...
0: Just take a step back sure. there, Mark. Would you say that most people just in kind of general population civilization out there kind of live in that white
1: space? Yeah, in the broadest sense. I mean, more and more people, because of what's happening in the world, are starting to seek out training like this and self-defense and whatnot. And so they're, they're moving up until yellow. But, you know, with the seven and a half billion people on the planet, I would say most are in survival mode and most are in white. Unless you're, you know, unless you're a wolf and you're out there preying on people because wolves generally speaking, live in uh, yellow or orange, but there's a, you know, small percentage of the global population. So yeah, generally you're right. And so we want to move out of white though. White is ignorance. Uh, white is a, uh, Hey, I you know, wake up. I take care of my own business. You know, I don't, you know, essentially it's just about me and survival. And it's very, very much of a self-centered unaware way of living. And it's common, right? In fact, right. Most people go through this in their, you know, youth and their teens, and then they get out of it. But, you know, you can get stuck there and then you can get stuck there if your your tribe or even country are stuck there. And if you also if you just don't try to evolve. Now, you could even evolve and be like a, a super successful CEO and being white, but you know, the bottom line is you often get poked pretty bad, so that you, you decide that you gotta you know step up your game, which is why you started your podcast, as a matter of fact. Right. Right? So you went from white to yellow to and you focus those new skills of awareness on, you know, learning how not to repeat those patterns and how to step up the game and teach people to live at a higher level of awareness. So that level of awareness is to recognize that even if everything's okay, externally and internally, that the potential for homeostasis to be upset very quickly is always there. So you're always scanning. You're scanning for threats and you're scanning for opportunities to keep things in balance and to move toward more balance or, or, you know, more health or, you know, staying alive in the context of the Navy SEAL. So how does this look for the SEAL? It's like, you know, we're patrolling to the target or we're in the Humvees and you're scanning, everything's good, but you know that your spidey sense could get triggered at any moment. And sure enough, when it does, that's like pinging the radar, meaning, you know, you've all seen the radars in in a movie and it's got like this flashing green line that goes around and around a circle, but when it pings a threat, all of a sudden a sound happens and a little light starts showing up and like glowing, Right. That's right. what yellow is like. When you ping a threat, then you go to orange. That means I go from relaxed awareness, scanning, scanning, but everything's fine. I'm going about my business. So all of a sudden, I ping a threat. Now I've got to focus on that threat. Now I go laser. Now, I, instead of a broad awareness where I'm sending my all my um, energy just to collect information, I, now I collapse my focus onto that one threat. And literally, my eyes will start to become more focused. I'll trigger the sympathetic nervous system my range of vision will narrow and I'll actually be blocking out other information, which, you know, the Navy SEAL learns to keep that information, those information loops open, but naturally, you know, without training, they, they start to shut.
0: The R is similar. It's, it's redirect. Okay. So once you've detected it, once you've intercepted it, now it's time to redirect it. Many times I'm guilty of this in the past, but many times you would intercept a negative thought and you would try to redirect it. But two seconds later, you've redirected into another negative thought like, oh, well, now I'm worried about this that I wasn't even thinking about before, right? <laughs> so once you stop the negative thought, and this is so important, guys, once you stop the negative thought, you have to redirect into more positive thoughts, even if you're not really sure what to be positive about in the moment. Yeah. And that's where the attitude of gratitude and the art, the practice of gratitude and those sort of things come in handy. Because if you're not doing this. In today's time, we're just not wired this way with all the noise around. If you're not doing this, you're not going to have it built in as a habit, right? The E is to energize. So as you can tell, each one of these is a building step toward the next, but you've got to energize. You've got to solidify that new thought, that positive thought that you've just brought in, and you have to get basically your whole mindset around that, even if you have to talk yourself into it a little bit. Because there's many positive things out there that we should be extremely grateful for that we view with about that much, you know, Uh, an an inch of positivity for sure. When really an outsider might look at it and go, dude, you're crazy. There's so much that you have to be grateful for. And you're talking about it as if it's this this small thing. Yeah. Right. So we've got to energize our whole mindset around it. Even if we have to talk ourselves into it, it's a new psychological state of mind that matches up with that mental shift that you're trying to go toward.
1: Over the years and kind of reflecting and teaching and, and you know, with the teaching of seal candidates and then, and then others elite athletes and teams. And I've done literally thousands of events since uh, you know, the mid two thousands and just had some incredible success with teaching, like our seal trainees, the trainees that I teach to go into the seal program have a 90% success rate getting through the seals. And I, I largely focus on those four skills that you alluded to, which I'm going to come back to. And so all the teaching that I taught them was stuff that I had learned or that I learned because I needed to teach them. And, you know, meaning I had to go deeper into a concept that I was familiar with, but I needed to own it, right? And so so it's like there's a lot of things that we are aware of in the world, but we're not, we don't know it, you know? You don't know something until you can master it and teach it. And so because I knew what worked for me to become a, You know, to sail through SEAL training, literally. I mean, we had 185 go through my training class back in 1990 and and 19 graduated, and I graduated number one in my class. When I looked back at that years later, because I started to teach SEALs, candidates that is, I had to ask myself, why was that? You know, was it just because I was a really good athlete? I don't think so, right? Was it just because I was smart? I don't think so, because all the other candidates were good athletes and all the other candidates were smart. What I was able to boil it down to was those four skills, and I would learned those four skills or variations of them through my martial arts training predominantly and a little bit through my competitive swimming and rowing because I had some great coaches. Now, so what are those skills that you alluded to? The first, the master skill was to control my physiology and to calm my brain, calm my mind, I should say, through breath control. And I later developed that practice called box breathing, which now has almost become like starting to become like common lexicon. I can't trademark it and I I love everyone to do it. But I started the practice of box breathing when I went into the seals because I learned how powerful breathing was when I was doing my martial arts to keep my body calm and my mind calm in a fight. And I thought, well, this is, you know, I'm going into the seals. Buds is a fight. You know, the buds training is the seal training. And of course I need that for combat. So By slowing down your breathing, breathing through your nostrils and holding the breath on the inhale and the exhale for a short period of time. And I recommend doing it at a ratio of one, 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 meaning uh, one same duration of inhale, hold, exhale, hold. Now, there are other equal parts. Yeah, there are other ways to breathe where you can change up that ratio, which will have different effects. But the one, 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 one kind of is a balanced breath and it leads to very calm, clear headed, you know, results. So I started this practice, like I said, before I went to the SEALs. I continued it every day while I was in the SEALs. And it just had a profound, like utterly profound effect, my body-mind system. I was, you know, every time I do it, which is all the time now, and I practice it several times a day, you know, I'm rewiring my nervous system by triggering my parasympathetic nervous system, which is rest-digest and, you know, calming everything down, bringing in the balance, Also, my brain is calming down. My mind is getting to balance. I'm getting clear. And I'm also, you're also relearning how to breathe. So you're slowing down your breath. My typical breathing pattern is about five times per minute. The average person breathes 16 to 20 times per minute. Also, I'll get a, you know, unless I'm talking, I'll be getting this nice, deep, full breath, lots of, you know, full oxygen, and I'll get a full, complete exhale. So I'm not leaving any toxicity in my life so that's the physical benefits of box breathing but by the way i think it's
0: amazing how since you're talking about breathing i can hear both of us like consciously breathing harder but just because you're talking about it
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's, it's a great focus of awareness so it, it spills over into concentration and meditation training and it really helps clear your mind and and it's a bridge between the body the mind and the spirit ultimately and i learned that through practice over the years So that was critical. And when I teach, you know, even if the students that I work with just do that, it's transformational. So I've got doctors who are, you know, now box breathing during surgery and attorneys who breathe to prepare for trial and during trial. And, you know, business people who prepare for board meetings and presentations. And it's just it's a powerful, powerful practice.
0: The C is communicate. Okay, And the communicate, really, he says, is an insurance policy where even if you misstep in any of the other steps, if you communicate, you really can help yourself from sliding right back into negative thoughts. And that's where you're talking to yourself in a new way that's going to override any of those negative thoughts that might creep in. And then the last one is train. Your mind, we've talked about this, your mind is extremely powerful, but only if you train it. He says your mind can be, it can be a powerful ally, or it can be a very slothful friend Mm -hmm. because it's, you know, it's sabotage. But he says, you've got to practice this daily, just like you would exercise your body. So I would encourage you guys on that out there. Just think of the acronym direct. And again, those words detect, detect the negative thought that's coming in or detect the things that could be distracting you and pinpoint them, figure, you know, a lot of people, a lot of times we just want to move those out of the way and not look at them and, you know, try to just keep muscling it through, as I've said before, but we've got to detect it. We've got to view it. We've got to see it for what it is. We've got to interdict or we've got to intercept that thought. We've got to redirect it to a new one. We've got to get our whole mindset around that. Communicate why it's important. Again, the insurance policy that we keep communicating to ourselves why that's important. Even if we have to talk ourselves into it, it keeps us from sliding backwards. And then the most important one is train. Because none of that matters if you're not training yourself to do it daily. regularly. You'll try it and then six months later, you'll think about the exercise and go, man, I, I was doing that for a little while, but I didn't keep training myself right yeah and just this idea of the sentinel is just pretty awesome to me is just you really have to have your sentinel standing at the gate of your mind each day as a leader but also just as you know just someone that's working in your own business or an employee or it doesn't matter if you're here in this podcast all of these things tie in together to helping you become better and reach really reaching that maximum or peak, peak performance state that we talk about and then eventually just getting into flow which you know psychologists talk about flow just being something that could be really hard or difficult but you're so in the zone you're so connected with your purpose and your why that you know it doesn't even really feel like
2: work yeah i think a real life example of that is you know a lot of our business is picking up the phone and dialing calling our current clients calling prospective clients and that's a that is a part of the of our business that a lot of people struggle with and so a healthy habit is Every time you go to pick up the phone, if you don't want to do it or you f- you feel nervous to do it, is to call that out. Why is it that I'm even nervous to call this person? But first, recognize that there's some nervousness there, right? So recognize it. Yeah, don't just avoid it. Don't avoid it. Which we're recognize great at doing. It. Identify why. Why am I nervous? What is it that's self-doubt on the inside of my brain? Is it because I feel like I've got nothing of value to bring to the table? Well, what are some areas that I can bring value to this person, right? Telling yourself, here's X, Y, and Z, or here are the ways I brought value to other people just like this person I'm about to call, and enforce that into your brain, you know? Remind yourself of all the ways that you bring value, you know, just to people like this person. So it's identifying that I'm, you know, I'm doubtful or I'm nervous. It's, you know, detecting it, it's identifying it. It's then saying, Okay, well, I know that this is a thing. Why is this a thing? Right. Right. Where is it coming from? And then redirecting it or stopping it, redirecting it, you know, with the opposite. I bring value because of X.
0: Yeah. And you got, you got to train yourself. You got to train yourself to do it. it. That's the biggest thing. You're wasting your time. I hate to say that, but you're wasting your time thinking that it's going to be a good habit for you if you're not training yourself to do that. Yep. I think Absolutely. maybe in the past, our brains uh, could operate a little bit better that way. We had less stuff going on. We could focus on more things. We could notice things for where it was because of all the noise not being there. Nowadays, you're thinking about so many different things that it's hard to even stop and do these things, even if you're mindful of it, Yep. you know, and I just mentioned in the last live episode, uh, when I was going through the vision building exercise, the uh, highlight reel that, you know, we normally put a grade on our life in a, you know, quick, 24-hour or for people who are working each day, maybe a 12 to 15-hour window, and we determine if we were successful or not. Yep. And many times, like you just mentioned, we're not stopping and pushing back and saying, why? Like, let's identify this thing, but why is it even a thing?
1: Yep. The breathing kind of gets you control over your body-mind system, but it doesn't really address the quality of your thinking. It will clear your mind, but you can still have damaging thoughts. What I learned in the seals and starting, you know, really before that in my martial arts and and then you know, course of course, athletics, which is why they're such great preparatory type experiences, was that negativity will destroy performance. Negativity will weaken you. The field of kinesthetics has proven this. You know, if you think a negative thought, you go weak. Your body goes weak. If you think a positive thought, it goes strong. Same thing. If you eat negative food like sugar, your body goes weak. You know, at an energetic level. So. The way you think, how you think, the quality of your thinking is extremely important. And my book on Beable Mind is all about how to think well and how to act with power. So the skill to practice is positive internal dialogue. Now, we start that with a trigger. We'd say, what wolf are you feeding the courage wolf or the fear wolf? If you're feeding fear, it means you're talking negatively, like I can't do this. And I don't mean like verbally, although that's certainly a very outer expression of it. Like if You're around someone who's negative or really down, or like in a in a sporting event, you know, saying verbally, "I can't do this." Now that's a clear case of feeding the fear wolf. And you know, if you're a good teammate, you'll shake them out of that really quickly. And that's you know, some of our SEAL fit training teaches people to be you know, as teammates, you know, keep their teammate positive and motivated and get over the humps that are going to cause them to quit or to degrade their performance. But what I'm speaking mostly about, Jared, is is learning to pay attention to your thoughts and to notice any time that you veer into negative or, or um, just less than optimal thoughts, and then to interdict that and redirect it and come back to a positive thought. Now, in order to come back to a positive thought, you have to know what you should be thinking about, right? And that's where the task orientation and the micro goals come in. So we like to say, or I like to say, you always need to know why you're doing something or why something's happening to you. And so in order to do that, you need to have a clear reason for doing something. So you have to have a focus on one thing at a time. Now, for me going through SEAL training, my focus was to become a Navy SEAL, but that's a nine month program. And so, you know, what can I do today to become a Navy SEAL? Well, it's to get, it's to finish today. is to get through today without getting injured or quitting or, you know, or getting dropped. And so in order for me to get through today, I have to get through this evolution. And each event they called an evolution because it was meant to evolve you. So whether wow. it's a five-mile timed run or a two-mile ocean swim or, you know, the obstacle course sprint or, you know, even uh, a class on diving or an actual dive or, you know, shooting evolution, all you need to do is focus on getting through this evolution. And then you can break it down even further, you know. It, within the evolution, all you've got to do is get through this one action, right? So we kind of choose the smallest arc of action, the smallest goal that's going to lead you toward success in the next larger goal, which is going to lead you towards success, and the next larger goal, which is going to lead you to your ultimate objective. So we call that micro goals and target acquisition. That is a critical skill because all of that is tied to a larger purpose. And for me, it was to become a Navy SEAL. But I didn't go wake up every day saying, I'm going to become a Navy SEAL. I knew I was going to become a Navy SEAL because all I, I knew that also all, in order to get there, all I had to do was get through the next evolution and crush it. And then the next one and the next one. And that eventually, with that day in and day out focus, I would be a Navy SEAL. And oh, by the way, you know, in the warrior's world, it could actually be your last day because of the job that we've committed to or or our service to protect our fellow man and woman. And so, you know, let's make this day count. And in order to make the day count, you got to make every moment count. In in order to make every moment count, you got to stay present and in control. you got to control your mind and your emotions. So those are three of those skills. And the fourth one is, you know, how do you use your imaging and can you use the imaging to remember a more powerful past, which is going to present you with more energy in the present, and also create an image of the future so that you actually can remember your future in the present so that you have this awesome power because you don't have any, any debilitating energy from regrets or feelings of being less than from your past, which most people do quite frankly, because nobody has a perfect childhood or everyone screws up royally in life. And if you don't, you're lying, you know? Yeah, you're Yeah, you're absolutely kidding You yourself, say you don't, sure. you're kidding, right? The point is we're supposed to learn from it, not beat ourselves up. But most people beat themselves up and then they remember that as a, a bad event or a horrible thing that happened to them or they're a victim or they were shamed or abused. or And a lot of these are horrible things, but the more you remember them and store that memory as bad, as horrible, then it's just like, you know, just stringing all these kettlebells onto your ankles and now you're trudging through life, dragging all these kettlebells. So the warrior master skill that we teach is to go back and essentially re-remember these in a way that's going to give you power instead of debilitate you. That's part of this third skill of imaging. And then also, because we're going somewhere, we've got a clarity about our future. We're warriors. We know what our mission looks like. We've got a vision for victory. We win it in our mind. So we see what victory looks like. I knew what it looked like for me to become a Navy SEAL. I had visualized it for two years straight every single day as a practice until I felt it at a deep level that I was going to be a Navy SEAL because I had already done the work. I had won in my mind before stepping into the battlefield. So then I had to re-remember what it meant to win every day while I was going through the motions of task orientation, keeping my breath, body, mind in control, right? And feeding the courage wolf. And these skills are like... Unbelievably powerful. I mean, I consider them to be total flow activators because like, when I use these skills, when I teach them, and they're practiced so that you own them, then with just the intention of clicking into the skills, you essentially enter that that lofty, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Coveted flow state that you know everyone is talking about. You know, I just did a podcast with my friend Jamie Wheel, and he and Stephen cotter have oh, yeah. written this really cool book called *Stealing Fire*, where they're talking about how seals and you know lead athletes and all these stuff, others you know kind of enter peak and flow states anybody has that skill anybody can do that they just have to practice it it's it's a set of tools to shift your consciousness shift your perspective shift your mind and those four skills of breath control positive self you know internal dialogue you know managing the image managing your imagery so you have power in the present and then task orientation and focusing on the smallest arc of micro Task that will lead you know link one goal in victory to the next goal until you have so much momentum that you can't fail
0: i'm going to mention two things one of them is mastery i know as i mentioned before you're huge on mastery there was a story i heard about you at one point there's a high altitude jump out of a helicopter you saw one of your unit members displaying ultimate mastery Mm -hmm. that stuck with you so that's number one and then i'll mention the second one and that is the acronym boo that i want you to go over with my listeners
1: Well, this is cool because the guy who did the jump's name was Lou, and um, and then we're going to talk about Boo. So we're going to talk about Lou and Boo. (laughs) So my this is an example of mastery. Now, there's mastery over a skill, but in the mastering of the skill, you got to master the man or the woman, right? So mastery of a skill, you know, like like Miyamoto Musashi said, is better to do a hundred thousand sword strikes. No, it's better to do one sword strike a hundred thousand times than a hundred thousand sword strikes one time, because the first will lead to mastery, not only of that sword strike, but of the mind of the individual of the warrior who's perfecting the sword strike.
0: Which the second part is more important. I would think you would agree.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because then that skill will extend to anything. You know, you can once you master the mind, you can master any skill. Right. The, the sword strike is just the tool. It could be, you know, wax on, wax off. Like in Karate Kid, it could be washing dishes. You know, one of my, I've said this, use this story a number of times, but it's probably not true, but there might be, an, like a lot of these stories, there might be an element of truth to it. But this dunce monk showed up at a monastery, you know, wanting to join the monastery. And he was like, you know, substandard IQ. And so the other, you know, monks were a little full of themselves because they had, you know, very intelligent and studied and they do, you know, they were like monk-like. And so they they said, well, this monk, you know, he's just a dunce, so we'll, we'll make him wash our dishes. So they put him in the kitchen to wash dishes. Well, the dunce monk was happy to do that. He happily washed dishes. He just wanted to be there. And so, but what he did know was the Hail Mary. And so every single dish he washed, he would say Hail Mary while he's washing it, right? And so this is no different than wax on, wax off, or Mushari's, Musashi's, you know, the 100,000 you know, swings of one sword strike. He, his right. was 100,000 Hail Marys a day while he's washing dishes. And 10 years later, that guy was the head monk because he had developed his mind through that one single practice. One single practice. Wow. That's powerful. Now back to Mike Liu. Mike is a friend of mine. I haven't seen him in a few years, but he was my free fall instructor when I was a young green seal He was, had been in the SEALs for some time by then. I don't know exactly how many, probably like 10 years. And I was just coming in and he had, you know, thousands of free fall jumps. It was a passion of his. And so he was my chaser. So every time we jumped during free fall training, you know, we had an instructor who would be our chaser. And that was just in case something went wrong and, you know, you weren't able to pull your parachute or the, you know, the AFF, which is the automatic activation device, AAD actually failed. So they would chase and, and, you know, kind of pull it for you. If possible. Didn't always work out that way by the way. So anyways, we did a um a pre dawn jump. It was spectacular. So it was night jump. And we had chem lights on and so we jump out of the airplane at like eighteen thousand feet. Pitch dark, but then, you know, right right as we're jumping, the sun is kinda like cracking the horizon. So there's a little bit of that pre dawn, you know, light in the sky. And so I jump out and I'm I'm good enough. This is like our I don't know, thirtieth jump, and so I'm good enough to start to do three sixties and to do some Stuff in the air. And so I'm basically supposed to demonstrate.
0: You're getting ballsy. Things.
1: Yeah, I'm getting ballsy and I'm having fun. And so I get out there and I'm, you know, I'm flying around. I feel like I'm flying. You know, we have 17,000 feet, you got about a minute and a half, a little bit more of free fall. And so I'm doing my 360, then I stop and I'm supposed to check in with Lou. So in one of these 360s, I do a full 360 and I come back to my starting point. And what I'm staring at is Lou, not in a horizontal position like you'd normally expect, but he's standing uh, toe to earth. And he's just like standing there. This is the trippiest thing. (laughs) And then he smiles at me, like a little twinkle in his eye, and he like wiggles his finger and he does a full flip and comes back to that standing position like that. Wow. And I looked, I remember thinking to myself, what the bleep? Like, I can't even like confabulate how he did that, but it was just total mastery over his body, mind, system, and situational awareness while falling 120 miles per hour toward the earth.
0: That's incredible.
1: And to be able to maintain that that discipline, you know, of of body position, to maintain, you know, to have that foot to earth, you know, for anyone who's parachute jumped knows how challenging that is. So that was, like, to me, a, a great example early in my SEAL career of, like, wow, mastery. You know, when you really love something and you're passionate about it and you just train at it relentlessly like Lou did, then you can do things which are really, really, really uncommon. And it reminded me, again, of my martial arts teacher who was a grandmaster who invented the entire, created the whole style of karate called Sado, who exhibited the same qualities. Now, he didn't exhibit parachuting, but he exhibited it in his teaching and in the way he could demonstrate his skills of karate. I mean some extraordinary things that he could do. I mean, I I watched him put his foot, his leg, through six massive blocks of ice. Every one of, you know, 99.9999% of humanity who tried to do that would instantly split their femur in half. And he literally just cut through it like butter. And that was mastery. Now, mastery, like I said, can show up and be displayed in many ways. I've seen it so often in the SEALs. Most SEALs, not all, but most SEALs attain some level of mastery over a skill, whether that be jumping, diving, or leading. And ultimately, every one of those people who attains mastery has to master the internal domain. And each one of those four skills that we went through are involved at some level. So that's that. And then, you know, you asked about Boo. So one of the things that we try to teach, you know, mastery is an integrative thing, right? So you you can't attain mastery and not be physically adept, Right. 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 You can't maintain, develop mastery without being mentally acute and developing control over your mind and improving the quality of your thinking and those things that we've already talked about. And you can't. And as you I should say, as you develop mastery, you find that you become much more intuitive and instinctually oriented and you ex- experience like life in a more spiritual oriented way, if that makes any sense, like things yeah. you feel more connected You feel like there's energy that flows between all things and there's intelligence in the universe. Like it's just these experiences that are hard to put words to start showing up in your life. And we know you can't test it with a scientific instrument. And, you know, you may doubt it, but the reality is you can't deny that your life starts to experience, be experienced more spiritually. Am I right? You know, that's probably happened to you. Many people listening will be like nodding their head. But the one piece that really trips people up is the emotional development, is emotional control. And so when I teach at Unveiled Mind, I say we have five mountains that we need to master and then we integrate them. Those five mountains are your physical being, and that's including your health, your physiology balance, your physiological balance, as well as mastering functional movement. Now you don't have to be an elite CrossFitter to do that. You just need to master functional movement so you can move more effectively, so you can sit in meditation more effectively, so you avoid injury and illness, so you can live a long and productive, happy life. Now, that seems like a nice goal, does not it? So physical <laughs> mountain is really important. But once what we notice is that once you start doing the physical, then it has a spillover effect to a healthier mind. Of course, of course the brain, the items of your mind are, are the primary items of your mind or, are, or organs of your mind are your brain, your heart, and your belly. Each one of them has neurons and neurological processing, but also your spinal cord, your entire nervous system, and your body are part of your brain system. And so as your body improves, so, you, so does your mind. And then we tar- start to train the mind through, through the breathing and through meditation and concentration and, and then content. And so that mental mastery is important. Now, I've already mentioned intuitive mastery and spiritual men. Now, there's some ways to train that, probably beyond the scope of this call. But, you know, those are important. But the emotional one, in particular, men tend to avoid that because, you know, you have to get into those sticky feelings, right? That's what I mean by boo. So boo is an acronym for background of obviousness. And what I mean by that is like most of us are inside the bottle we can't read the label of our own emotional life. And so therefore we tend to repeat patterns that trip us up and cause problems. <laughs> but if we were just to go ask somebody else, for instance an expert or our family or you know teammates, hey, what do you see as my patterns and issues that that um I could improve? What do you think? I do repeatedly, or what do you see in me that could, um, you know, that is blind to me, that's not obvious to me, but is obvious to you. And chances are good that you, they're going to tell you and you're going to get everyone to tell you certain things that you can't see in yourself, but they can see very clearly, just like you can see patterns in them that they can't see because those patterns are just, you're blind to them and you can't see them recurring for some reason. Right. You know, it's kind of like saying, you know, we have every um, day we have like 80,000, between 60 and 80,000 thoughts and 80 percent of them are the same ones we had yesterday. But it's the same with our emotions, because thoughts and emotions are two sides of the same coin. Our thoughts.
0: And for most people, most of them are negative.
1: Yeah. And and they can be negative. And so if you have negative dialogue, then you're going to have negative emotions. If you have negative emotions, you're going to have negative dialogue because one spurs the other and they go around in a spiral. We call that looping. And most people are just looping their way through life, repeating negative patterns and wondering why. They don't have the success that, you know, that maybe you and I are experiencing because we've decided we've committed to overcoming those patterns. It doesn't mean we're perfect. In fact, we acknowledge that we're all flawed and that gives us more a sense of urgency to do the self-awareness, you know, to get deep into the inner domain and understand what patterns have been driving our life to re overwrite, you know, negative patterns or dysfunctional patterns or patterns that aren't serving us. And write a new story, write a new script, become the author of our own novel and begin to write that script. And then living that script, practicing that script, habituating it, and then showing up with much more power.
0: Mark Devine, I hope you guys go out and uh, pick up his books, Unbeatable Mind, which was a huge game changer for me, as well as The Way of the Seal. I can't decide between either one of those, which one was better. I've made so many notes in both of those. Thank you. So where can we steer more traffic your way, websites, social media, books, all of that to where we can learn more about all the things you talked about today, Mark?
1: Yeah, well, you already mentioned the books. Those are great books to start with. The Way of the Seal is really my leadership book. And Unbeatable Mind is my philosophy. And all the training we talked about today is in that. And we have an online training called Unbeatable Mind Academy, which is unreal. Like it's really, really good. And about 10,000 people are participating in that. That's at unbeatablemind.com seal fit uh continues to grow and, and inspire people to step up their game physically and mentally. So that's sealfit.com.
0: Yeah, you guys are growing so much. Yeah. And
1: we, you know, of course we have the Facebook and the Twitter and all that and just search either SealFit or Unbeatable. And, and if you're into the yoga, we have a wickedly cool free 30 day challenge at Kokoro Yoga. I don't, it, I think it, it is episodic. So we just closed it off. It, we did one in January, but we will be opening up more of it as an evergreen thing soon. So each one of those programs has a book so seal fits book is eight weeks to seal fit that's a wickedly cool and and challenging training program and then kokoro yoga we have a book called kokoro yoga kokoro means heart mind and that's yoga as a personal practice so you can do yoga on the road or at home if you're a busy exec you learn how to do kokoro yoga and then we have a video online program you know for so you can just follow along different drills and yoga sequences for longevity, for post-workout recovery, for, you know, developing Jedi-like, you know, warrior skills and stuff like that.
0: And just so my listeners know, where's the best place to find those things that you just mentioned?
1: UnbeatableMind.com is where you'll find Kokoro Yoga and Unbeatable Mind, and then SealFit.com is where you'll find the uh, SealFit programs and ADC SealFit.
0: And your podcast as well.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. My team is keeping me busy, (laughs) so I got a podcast called Mark Devine's Unbeatable Mind Podcast.
0: Great, great podcast, guys, listening out there. You should subscribe and uh, rate and review that podcast. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. It has been a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate the, um, the work you're doing, Jared, and for having me on the show. And I wish all of your listeners the best of luck. And if there's anything else I can do to support you and them in your journey, then I stand by.
0: Thanks so much, Mark. We wish you continued success and look forward to your uh, journey as you continue to dive into more of these mindset things and uh, ways that we can reach success. Thanks so much. Absolutely. We are. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, what an awesome episode with Mark Devine. I hope you took as much away from that as I did. If you would like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to reach my team and I at info at success101podcast.com. Again, that is info at success101podcast.com or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Facebook page or on Instagram, my favorite form of social media, under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I hope you utilize the tools and techniques that Mark and I talked about as well as engaging with his programs and strategies for yourself. And I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode of the success one one podcast until then.